Hello, I'm Jeff. My wife and I host Message of Hope. Message of Hope wants to be your weekly inspirational, motivational, and non-judgmental friend to help you through your week as we share Bible truths and life experiences to let you know you're not alone. Let's join Sandra to see what Message of Hope she has today. Hello, I'm Sandra, your host for the show. And today, I thought I'd share some of our personal story and about how we got to where we are now in our beliefs and our decision to do a podcast. 2014 was a rough year. My husband and I, after 22 years of marriage, ended up separated, and I moved into my own apartment. For 12 to 13 years prior to this, we had been heavily involved in a local, multi-denominational church. We taught Bible studies in our home, or would meet at a local Starbucks to talk about God's Word with others. I was on the praise team, helped in the toddler's room, cleaned the church, my husband mowed, did repairs that were needed, and was a faithful head usher. My point in telling you how active we were is just to point out that we weren't just casual church members. We were there every time the doors were open, and a lot of times when they were closed, doing other things to keep the church going. We were very involved, very visible, and known by most of the four to 500 member congregation. I understand that as churches grow, it's hard to always notice who's there and who's not, especially if they don't attend regularly. But back to my story. During the time we were separated, I was the acting director at a men's homeless shelter, soup kitchen, and sober living facility. I was there early most every day, and many nights I was there late, really late, having to deal with men who were not abiding by the guidelines. We also had church services at that facility, so I attended those most times and began to not really go to my church that much during this time, but my husband remained faithful to going there all during our separation. After almost a year, we worked out, or should I say, grew past our marriage differences by making a decision to forgive and forget the past and move forward. So I moved back home with my husband and my work at the mission ended. But I was still struggling with getting back to being active in our old church. Somehow, I became disconnected, and I couldn't seem to snap out of it. I spent my whole life proud of myself for being able to stay strong-minded and loyal and steady to whatever I was doing. So I didn't like the way I was feeling, and I wanted desperately to be the old me again. So I sought God hard on this issue and decided to really dig in his word and see what he would show me. In hindsight, I realized that maybe this was happening because I was in need of this downtime to make me seek him more, make me understand more so I could be a better leader, a better servant, a better friend. So we know that we're supposed to do as Jesus did in our faith walk, So I searched the Bible to see some of Jesus' characteristics. And I found, for one, he had a close relationship with his Father God. He also knew the Scriptures well, and he used the Scriptures in his conversations and in his teachings. And I found out, unlike us, he never looks the other way when he sees wrongdoing or if someone is in need. Unlike us, he doesn't take shortcuts or lower his morals a notch 
in order to prevent discomfort to others or himself. No, he spoke truth, and he spoke it boldly. One morning during this time, I got up with, like sheep without a shepherd, on my mind, because that is how I felt. So I went and looked that scripture up, and it was in Matthew 9.36. And I read how when Jesus looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. And that's how I had been feeling. I felt aimless and lost. I read about the blind man from birth in John 9. I had heard that back then people gathered near the temple to beg money from worshipers, but often they were ignored, the same way we still do today. I know we often think that their sin or their own bad choices got them where they are. I had this experience myself to a degree. My husband had to go to Indiana for some job training, and I tagged along. As we walked a couple of blocks one night to get to a restaurant we wanted to try, We walked past many, many people who had signs and were begging for money from people as they walked by them. And I have to honestly admit that it made me very uncomfortable. One, because I'm from a small town and I had never seen this type of behavior before. Two, because quite frankly, I felt guilty for thinking, Sandra, just keep your eyes straight and keep moving. The Christian in me the love and the compassion for others in me, the knowing that I've been in need of help from others before myself, it really made me sad to walk past them. But not knowing them, not having enough money to help them all, how do you choose? Sometimes I get a feeling to give money, but this time I didn't. I gave this a great deal of thought after we experienced this. And when I look at Jesus' example in John 9, he stopped. He helped. He didn't keep his eyes forward and walk past them. He would have refused to ignore or to avoid that awkward encounter the way that I had. John 9, 1 tells us right away that he looked directly at the man. He saw him. I have to be honest here. Personally, I'm not one that likes attention on me when I'm down and out. I tend to turn inward and am quiet about my problems, and I don't desire people to cater to me. I guess you could probably call that pride because I don't like to think I need help. But nevertheless, I have to admit that several times during this season of feeling disconnected from my church, even I often wondered, does no one see that I'm hurting, that I'm not attending? Does any one of them even care? Sometimes Jeff would come home and tell me, so-and-so said they missed you at church today. And I have to admit, I would think to myself, not enough to reach out to me. All that message did was make them feel like they had done something Christian to soothe their own conscience. But it didn't show me how that they truly cared. I know, firsthand, because I've been guilty of doing the same thing. Not intentionally, but we do tend to get busy and to forget. I believe that's because everybody has their own junk. Their plates are full with their own lives and problems, and I get that. I've been the same way most of my life. We all just want some peace in our lives. We want to run and escape our own problems and can't even find room for other people's problems. So I get it. 
But as I study and reflect on how to be more like Jesus and how to be a better servant to my church and my fellow man, I have to start caring enough to really be on the lookout for when others need a little help. You know, Jesus, he protected the woman who was about to be stoned. He socialized a lot with tax collectors and sinners. In every situation he was in, he acted on someone else's behalf. He familiarized himself with their circumstances, and he took the steps needed to meet their needs. Notice I said he became aware of their circumstances, not of who they are. And I say that to point out that we are not our circumstances. That is a lie that the devil tries to hand us. The world is so chaotic and everyone is so busy with their own issues and agendas. In hindsight, I realized the greatest gift anyone could have given me would have been a genuine heart and a listening ear a few minutes out of their day for me to see that someone cared enough about me to enter my world, find out what's troubling me, ask questions, get involved. You know, no one wants to feel like they're invisible or that they don't matter. And I feel like we genuinely want to help others and show that we care by ministering to them in their time of need. And that's the way that we will prove to them by our actions that we are sincere and we are worthy of their time and their trust. Anyway, I did end up going back to church regularly and with a new vision to really reach out to others. And with the church's permission, I started a feeding ministry for those who were in need with some other friends from the church who were big into couponing. And we filled a big old room up with food and gave it to families that were in need. But somehow, I just wasn't the same anymore. After about a year of this, my husband started not going to church. I just thought that he was going through something similar to what I had, and I kept attending and directing the feeding ministry, hoping he would work through it, and eventually we'd get back to how we used to be in our church. During this time, I noticed that he was watching a lot of YouTube videos of Bible teachings from a man called Michael Rood. When I'd go into our den and uh, watch with him for a few minutes, I observed an odd-looking man to me with his long beard, and sometimes he'd dress in old biblical-type garments. And I warned my husband many times, be careful because the Bible says in the end times, false prophets will come. But after a few months, I saw Hubby was still watching so I decided to sit down with him to see what this man was teaching, along with others such as 119 Ministries, Keith Johnson, and Nehemiah Gordon. And suddenly, things I had wondered about, things that hadn't added up when I had listened to other teachers throughout my life, were now suddenly making sense as I searched the Bible to validate what was being taught by each of them. And like Saul in Acts 9 when he regained his sight, It seemed as if I had been living with scales on my eyes all my life, and now they had been removed. The first big thing was how so many holidays come from pagans, sun worshippers. A simple Google search even reveals that we have been handed down traditions from our ancestors that are in no way biblical. Everyone has to make these decisions for themselves, but I decided right then and there I would no longer observe Christmas the way I used to. Another big moment for me was that for several years, 
I've heard numerous church leaders teach that we are to learn Scripture little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept. And because I accepted what I was taught, I used to study the Word, reflecting only on small fragments of Scripture at a time, but I have since discovered that this is very wrong. I don't know if part of the verse was always left out intentionally, so as to fit the sermon being taught at the moment, or if it was innocent ignorance, but when I studied the Bible Scripture for myself, this is what it actually says, and it's from Isaiah twenty-eight thirteen. But the word of the Lord was upon them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. I don't know about you, but I don't particularly want to fall back, be broken, be snared or taken, so I can't continue looking at a little scripture here and there. I encourage you to read the scriptures before and past verse 13 to get a true understanding for yourself. We are warned in scripture against leaving out anything or adding anything to God's word, as shown in Revelations 22, 18 through 21, which reads, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So you see, we will each stand before the King of Kings one day, and we'll have to answer for every word we have spoken, especially when it's His words we are using. I wanted to share with you all what has been of great assistance to my husband and I in learning the Word of God has been the availability of the Chronological Gospels that reorganize Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Acts, and the Revelation into chronological order. With this done, you can see what the Messiah was doing each day of his ministry. You can follow the timeline of his sermons, his miracles, and the last days, hours, and moments before his crucifixion. With it, you don't have to try to piece together the Messiah's life from four separate accounts from different authors with different perspectives. All sides of the story are combined and organized so you can watch the motion picture of the Messiah's ministry unfold before your eyes like you've never been able to experience it before. No, I'm not an affiliate of theirs, but if you're interested, it can be purchased on Amazon or through michaelrood.tv. I want to encourage each of you to seek truth as only He can give it to you through His divine scripture and to not hand your eternal fate over into the hands of another regardless of their status or position as they will not be present with you when you stand before God's throne. 
It is our individual responsibility to seek the whole truth for ourselves. All I can do is share my story with you as it unfolds and share truths as we now see it and leave you to research and seek out and decide for yourself. However, I do know God has called me out to be a light, a hope, an encouragement, and to share what He shared when He walked among us. I'm going to close for now, but before we pray, I want to ask if you enjoy our show that you share our podcast with your friends on social media in order to help us out to be able to remain online. So let's pray now. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Until next week, Godspeed. Speed.